0: We shouldn't over-convolute, over-complicate the ability to transfer ownership of, of anything, whether whether it's real estate, whether it's digital art, whether it's your service records on your new Alfa Romeo, which, which they've just launched. The ability to transfer those things digitally, decentralized, make a lot of sense.
1: Hello again, my friends, and welcome to Jorgensen Soundbox. This show is a sidecar on the magical motorcycle of my curiosity and brings you along as I try to figure out how the future will unfold. Today, my guests are Natalia Karayaneva, the founder of Property, and her VP of sales, Adam Brown. And together, we unpack the future of one of the biggest markets in the world, which is real estate. We talk about the first property ever sold in the US as an NFT. Uh, That was the day before we recorded this, very fresh. We talk about how the Proppy token worked like a pre-sale of the product usage and how the blockchain and smart contracts help Proppy solve the core problem of their vision of making a global liquid real estate marketplace. Natalia is a brilliant founder with a wonderful story of grit and persistence. I learned a ton about international real estate blockchains and company building from her. If this conversation is interesting to you, many of the topics on my blog will be as well. Please visit ejorgensen.com to read more and sign up for the newsletter. The Podcast Superfriends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from
0: Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag Detroit Podcasts.
1: I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Now, please enjoy this conversation arriving at your ears right after one quick message from a sponsor. Hi, it's me again. Yes, I bought my own ad space. That is how much I believe in it. Last week, I started an early stage investment fund with two of my most talented and trusted friends. We've all been angel investing for years and have managed to collect a few unicorns along the way. And now we're taking the next step together. We'll be investing two and a half million a year into the most promising early stage technology companies we can find around the world in the form of rolling fun. That's what we're calling it. I'm having conversations with investors now, and I'm honored that many readers and listeners have already joined the fund as co-investors. So I invite all of you to read our fund note, which is linked in the show notes before, and accredited investors can invest with us through AngelList today. If you have any questions or you'd like to hear more about this, please reach out to me. I'm very happy to have a conversation with you about it. Now, on with the show. Natalia and Adam from Proppy, thank you guys so much for, for coming on. I'm really super looking forward to this conversation, and I expect I'm going to learn a ton uh, from both of you in the next little bit here.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Ari, for having me.
1: Uh, Natalia, you have a sort of super interesting... Um, Background and I'd I'd love to maybe start with both of you guys' uh, like lives running up to Proppy. Um and then and then we'll get into like what Proppy is and uh, sort of all the interesting questions that unfold around it.
2: Sure. Uh, well again thank you so much for inviting us. I'm the founder of Proppy and my background in software engineer first, then I transitioned to real estate development, constructing properties and selling them for us in Europe. And then uh, I was just wondering why had technology drastically changed everything we're buying online, but not real estate. And so five, five years ago, I decided to move to Silicon Valley and dedicate uh, the rest of my career to automation of real estate transactions. And this is where I met all those blockchain, smart contracts, geniuses, and we decided that the best infrastructure to build this new generation of technology is blockchain.
1: Is, is that when you met Adam?
2: Uh, yes, he's one of the geniuses in yes, the real estate. Yes, one of the parade of <laughs> yes in the real estate. Yeah,
0: that is not accurate. She was doing those great things well before I joined.
1: <laughs> Adam, what's your uh what's your origin story?
0: It's not as exotic or as fun as natalia's so I, I should have let I you go you first. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, 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 thanks for having us. Uh, super exciting times here at Property. Just really honored to be part of the team that's kind of doing things for the first time ever in real estate, which doesn't happen very often. But I spent about 20 plus years in real estate, You know, whether that's through media or through home services, working with brokers and agents all across the country. My claim to fame is I've been in in and out of real estate offices in all 50 states. So I've uh, I've seen a lot of how real estate has transacted across the country, been really blessed to work with some of the nation's top brokerages and realtors. And to this day, I consider most of them my friends. So uh, whenever Propy uh, reached out to to see if we could work together, you know, for me, it was the first time in my career that I was super duper excited about the technology and the way it's going to impact real estate in 20 plus years. And so uh, Natalia has built a really really smart team much smarter than she she gives people credit for because on the front end you'll see my boss joe or i and we're not quite as smart as the rest of the team so really excited to be here really excited to be part of the team and to kind of do something unique for the first time ever in real estate with the nft yesterday
1: yeah i mean as you say like real estate doesn't tend to change super (laughs) often um and I, as you were saying, you'd been in a real estate office in all 50 states. I was imagining that that just consists of a blur of beige, like all over, <laughs> no matter where you are.
0: You know, it's funny with, with realtors and brokers, um, it's, everyone's got a unique story. I think if you work in the finance industry, you meet a lot of kids who went to college for a finance degree and they became, you know, a finance uh, major. And then they went on to work at Ernst & Young. You kind of get that background. It's probably pretty similar. But with realtors you 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 meet them from all over you know it's and it's it's really interesting and so uh that the people stand out a lot more than the offices per se um
1: to your point yeah Natalia what was the you know i know you have a sort of a, a deep background in real estate development and you had been sort of building and selling real estate internationally um sort of in the lead up to property so what was the what was the problem that you initially saw in real estate that you set out to solve when you started this company?
2: Yeah, I think the main problem is that the buyers, uh, homeowners are acquiring one of the most valuable assets in their life. And yet that's one of the most stressful times in their life. And uh, I've been helping hundreds and hundreds of buyers to acquire real estate uh, in the past when I was building those properties. And I just wanted to solve this problem it can be a more enjoyable and more secure process, because the wire fraud is thriving right now in the US. So there are different pro- problems around the world, but in the US it's wire fraud, title fraud, uh stealing ownership from people, from recording offices if they don't have inheritance, for example. Uh, there's so many problems that we even don't know about. Uh in other countries, it's corruption when again home ownership. Be stolen, right, uh, from people who cannot afford to go and fight. Uh, then there are nine trillion dollars so of unrecorded to in developing countries, and so basically, this eliminates uh, those countries to have financing and basically further enhance and uh, empowers poverty.
1: Wow. Like, you know, that fraud exists in the real estate world, especially sort of the wire fraud is something I've been familiar with, but title fraud is not a problem I had really, you know, I kind of took for granted that all of the slowness and expense around title fraud was like was like kind of doing its or around the title companies was actually like kind of doing its job. Like, w- what is the scale of, of title fraud? Um, and I'm, I'm sure it varies sort of, as you say, country by country, but.
2: Yeah, well, the wire fraud problem is actually a very U.S. native problem. Uh, because the banks in the U.S. are not verifying uh, the recipient. They just approve uh, the transfers to the accounts, but they don't verify they belong to for companies. Uh, and FBI reports billions of dollars stolen every year in wire uh, fraud. And so there are a number of examples where a family uh, sends a down payment and sometimes it's like 70% of the home in down payment, all their life savings they're sending into a private account and they cannot restore that because title insurance is not covering this type of fraud. And title and identity fraud also is not covered by title insurance. Title insurance is great for claims for the problems in the past, Uh, but not for cyber attacks,
1: uh, not for identity fraud. Wow, that was completely unknown to me. When you started Proppy, you you were trying to sort of solve the challenges, um, the frictions in the market, the problem for the buyer, and sort of bring real estate transactions closer to what it feels like to transact online when things are nice and smooth and easy. But your original vision didn't necessarily include the blockchain, did it? So how, how did the blockchain, like, when did you realize that this was the technology that you needed to use to solve the problem that you had picked to solve? I think that's a really interesting, um, sort of coming together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, back in time, when I lived in Silicon Valley, when I just arrived and didn't have any connections, I just knew that I have this idea and the core team got together to automate the transaction. And I was trying to figure out how we can address cross-border payment and and settlement. So I just, you know, was meeting people at meetups and asking them, please introduce me to some engineers in the core fintech companies uh, that are solving those issues or working in a similar issue. So I got connected to some engineers in PayPal and some startups. And suddenly I started to hear about blockchain from all those and... Uh, I began to read books about smart contracts, and that was the aha moment when I learned about smart contracts and how uh, they are basically playing the role of a settlement for any types of rights. And now we're seeing that with NFT uh, art, where you basically transfer art via smart contract.
1: You have the perfect background. You had been selling international real estate. You have a background as a computer scientist. You were in Silicon Valley trying to solve this problem and encountered smart contracts and blockchains sort of for the first time in this beautiful like confluence of problem and technology and experience that puts you as the founder in this sort of amazing spot. Um, what, What did it feel like to get sort of feel all those pieces come together um, and you already had a team in place too, by this point, right? You said you got a core team, you had some funding raised already. Well, Did, fundraising I mean, didn't come at
2: once. No, initially it was just a prototype and our co-founders we were just working, bootstrapping, working for free for a couple of years before really people started to trust us and, uh, believe in us, uh, with not only emotional, but financial, uh, investment. Uh, And then we got investors like Tim Draper, a number of amazing angel investors uh, that we've met throughout the journey. And yeah, in the end, everything came together, but definitely it was a bumpy road uh, where we all had to make sure we uh, were passionate enough to stay in this journey.
1: And I swam in the waters of real estate just long enough to know that it is hard work um, and it's a slow industry and you need... Big, you know, it's it's a very difficult industry to launch an MVP. You know, as you say, like it takes sometimes years. It takes sometimes very big products. So, I, I wonder if we can talk about sort of that early product development stage, like picking through to find like what was this first specific problem that you solved, and you know, all the different stakeholders in real estate, because um, that's I think a challenge as well. Uh, at least we we found it to be a challenge as a young company in the in the industry.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. It's really hard to uh, be an early stage company in Proptech tech uh, because agents wouldn't trust you. Consumers will not trust you with such a valuable asset. And initially we were just begging agents to do first transactions. It was literally begging. But then when you remember Uber story also, the founder was just running around and asking people, hey, give, uh, take my 100 bucks bo- and <laughs> use my taxi. Uh, so yep. it was a similar story, but we've, we've tried with a number of MVPs, uh, the transaction platform was the most successful and we just bet on it, but besides the transaction platform, we also made a software for counties so that, uh, recordings are happening on the blockchain, um, some MVPs for tokenization and fractional ownership. And, uh, there were just a, a number of, uh, different blockchain applications in real estate that would try that would complement the automation of the transaction and then we realized that the fastest way to grow is through the transaction platform through automating the process and inviting the agents to use our technology and then the agents are incentivized to invite the consumer
1: got it okay so so tell me about so that's the core product today the transaction automation platform
2: and basically, sorry, you asked about the MVP. So the first MVP was a very simple smart contracts and very simple uh, user interface, where the buyer agent is invited, the buyer is invited too, and they they, they upload a couple of documents, and then in the end we record the uh, the deal on the blockchain. And one of the first transactions was that that property in Kiev, and so that was the first ever government-approved deal on blockchain. And then the second one was in Vermont, also government-approved report on the blockchain. So that these were through MVPs. But again, uh, besides that, we had to build the MVP. It was also like just begging agents and consumers and our advisors to, to try.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the the product today, the transaction automation platform, um, am, I, am I correct that brokers are the main... Customers for that?
0: Well, it's it's built for brokers as well as agents, high performing agents. It 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 creates streamlined efficiencies within teams, especially in a market like now where you're getting multiple offers on one 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 listing. You know, we had an agent here; uh, it was in Phoenix. Actually, I had 30 plus offers in the first you know 12 hours, and so oh, to be yeah. able to have have all those in one platform, to be able to manage them in an effective way, to be able to communicate back to all those other agents in a in, a, in an effective way. Then also be able to prove to your seller, hey, listen, I've kind of showed you all offers are present on the table. It does a lot of things that, one, to prevents a tremendous amount of fraud, too, is it makes the, the, the transaction much more seamless. But mm-hmm. from a seller's perspective, to be able to kind of see all of those offers in real time, to kind of see, you know, now when you're agent, you kind of huddle up and say, okay, you know, what's our best to work with here? Um it really is powerful for the seller as well as, as the agent. And then from an agent's perspective, to be able to kind of say, Hey, I can prove that I uh showed all offers, it, it also reduces the amount of liability in terms of the seller down the road was to say, Hey, did I did I get every offer? Did you show me everything? And did you lose one in an email? Did did a document get caught up in the ether somewhere? And
1: that happens. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> it really does, yeah. and we, I met with I met with an agent today, and this is a true story. He's out of Miami. They use a Google Doc, an Excel spreadsheet, and Telegram with internally for each offer. They've got different pieces here and there, and so to kind of combine that and make it easy, and then to be able to kind of export that into their title partner or our title services, um, that that helps.
1: Adam, when did you uh, when did you climb on board Proppy?
0: It was, a, it was a little less than a year ago uh, I joined the team you know to be honest and I, you know the momentum was already well underway we'd already done the first nft in ukraine so just enjoying it
1: yeah you you were you kind of brought the real estate experience and and presumably some of the relationships and uh background to kind of help help Robbie grow and get adopted in the industry that the thinking
0: I, you know, I, I thought Nat- I would. Natalia's
1: nodding. Adam's going to be too <laughs> humble to say that he no, can well, do anything you know, helpful. I, I, thought, I,
0: thought, I thought I would, but I, the first time we went to NAR, which is the National Association of Realtors, which is, you know, the CES of real estate, it was a little bit like being with the Pied Piper with Natalia. All these people wanted to talk to her. And, and I'd say, hey, guys, how are you doing? Oh, hey, Adam. It's Natalia coming back. And um, <laughs> that that is, you know, one, it's a credit to Natalia and and. But really, is a, It's a big credit to smart people in this industry. See what she's brought to the table, and you know, there's a lot of people that get really excited about it. You know, there's some people that are afraid of innovation and change, but you know, we, we tend to work towards the abundance crowd who knows there's this technology is going to bring a lot more volume and drive the business forward. Um, but that was a real eye, eye opener to me. I thought I would take Natalia and introduce her to people. Everyone kind of knows who she is and what she's been doing. Her reputation
1: precedes her, yeah.
0: In a really good way, in a really good way.
2: Thank you, Adam. Well, uh, we definitely are very, very honored to have Adam on board um, because when the industry participants have trust in us, we can get uh, to a faster adoption of agents because agents are those who are bringing the consumer to our transaction platform. Because in the end of the day, it's a consumer-centric product. Uh, but right now, the consumer trusts the agent. So it's, it's very important for us to, participants, to trust blockchain, to trust the technology that we have built. So we're very thrilled to have Adam. board.
1: I have walked some of this path, so I know how hard. So you end up like uh, selling to brokers or at least getting access through the broker. And then usually that means, and tell me sort of what it means in Propy's case, but like just because a broker works with you doesn't mean an agent necessarily works with you. So you sell the broker, then you sell the agent and then you have to get the agent to actually refer to the customer. Um, So it's a, it's a slog and it's, you know, there's multiple sort of gatekeepers between a real estate product and the end user who is actually the the home buyer or seller. Um, Is is that, does that describe your guys's sort of um, journey too, or have you figured out something smarter to do than we did? (laughs)
0: Well, I, I, you know, it, it, you're kind of comparing the traditional top-down versus bottom-up approach. You know, we we work a lot with brokerages, and we would like to implement at a broker level. But what we really work with is a lot of industry experts that are just real estate agents. So we work with a lot of teams who are who are driving forward. Um, so it it is a bit of a bifurcated mix. We we would love, to, and most companies in our in our space would love to go broker just push it out. But, but the TM, the transaction Management Platform, the Offer Management Platform at a broker level is very um, convoluted. You have three or four companies that are working on freemium models. They give pieces here and there. So what we try to do is work with um, top producers to kind of show them our platform whether it's a broker level and agent level, put them on there, get high volume through there. Um, because if you go through the broker training rollout phase, it can be very tedious. Um,
1: yeah. As you know, as you know. <laughs> uh, yep, I understand. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about uh, probably in the context of existing sort of transaction management platforms, because there is, there are like Web 2 giants that that are transaction management. I don't know a ton of the details of them. Um, but is, is this a sort of like you're you're front running a phase shift that's kind of like you're building backwards compatible to Web 2, but you're ready for the next thing to take place and you expect to outcompete them eventually. Or, like, are those things going to try to transplant their whole selves onto the blockchain eventually? Like, how do you see this next sort of 20 years unfolding? Because I agree with your vision that we're all going to end up on the blockchain for a lot of this stuff. Um, But I like the proppy sort of like, I don't know, how do you expect the competitive dynamics to unfold with what's happening today?
2: Let me start because I think we probably disagree with Adam on this one. Okay. perfect
1: <laughs> good good strike yes. yeah
2: so i i absolutely disrespect uh this category of a of a management platform because the the technology has to evolve to uh, wizard like technology to wizard like tools uh that automates the whole flow of a transaction um and right now there are incumbents that are management of even storage of documents and uh, we're thriving to, to become self-driving transaction platform or just a transaction platform so we don't position ourselves as a transaction management platform and our goal is really to make uh, closing uh, almost instant uh, via smart contracts and the numerous integrations that we're doing that our uh, competitors in the platform space don't do uh, so as Adam mentioned, we expect the bottom-up approach where agents will start using us and then forcing brokers to switch to our platform. But uh, we don't necessarily like try to to replace aggressively those platforms. I think everything will just come into the place. And besides that, our uh, main cons- uh, user is uh, the agent. They're reaching out to us and we're boring them. Also, there is a very big percentage of our user base is the consumer so basically the sellers and the buyers they're reaching out to us uh, and they're willing to close on blockchain or do an nft or find a tech savvy agent and that's why also agents like us very much and brokers that are competing for agents they also are watching out and and trying to collaborate with us and uh, do partnerships Adam, do you agree with my like, management <laughs> platform?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a bit antiquated in the sense that I always try to bring the real estate community on with us, which trying to bring 1.6 million uh, individual thinking people is is probably not most realistic. You know, I think the thing that Natalia and I do agree on is 100 percent of what we focus on a property is what's best for the homeowner. And we know that if the homeowner is at the end of the day satisfied, taken care of 100% transparent, you know, the safest with their funds, with their investment, I think ultimately we all win. Uh, I think a lot of really smart real estate professionals are looking at Web 2, now Web 3 and saying, hey, how will the industry evolve? And I think I think Proppy and Natalia and the team does a good job of kind of initiating those conversations. Um, But you're going to have a certain percentage that, you know, want to kind of keep things very antiquated or Byzantine in terms of very segmented and almost overly convoluted for the sake of the the industry. And that's where technology really does come into play, because the homeowner, you know, is going to start to see, hey, should it really take this long to close on a house? Should I really pay this much title fees for a house that might have been sold two years ago? Do I really need to pay title insurance for a house I'm buying from my parents or new construction as it may? So I think that's where technology is going to open a lot of people's eyes. And we're trying to make sure the real estate community understands that and we all move towards that together.
1: Yeah. I think that's a very interesting, um, real estate is just such a perfect, uh, sort of place to explore how all these things come together, which I think is, uh, you know, it's something everyone sort of interacts with. It's particularly far behind, but it's, Really sticky, and but the value for automating and improving some of these things with technology is like the the value unlock is massive, massive. So,
2: and Eric, so, what, what kind of yeah. problem you tried to to solve in prop tech? May I ask? It,
1: it was it was much sure. I mean, it was much more around um, home services. So we were building a marketplace for like plumbers, electricians, lawn care, housekeeping, um, and we found that it was very difficult to. Um, we, we found basically that around real estate transactions was a huge surge of demand for like fixing up old homes or moving into them renovating fixing um uh, fixing unacceptable conditions and so uh we found that we could go to a real estate agent who was getting asked for all these referrals and we could basically automate we, we were like an API for home services like whenever you get a request for something um whether it's a mover or something like that like we could do that on behalf of the agent and um so then we started going through brokers and automating the outreach and timing all these things out. So it's like, all right, it's 30 days from closing. You need a mover. It's two weeks from closing. You need to schedule your painting or your flooring, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's so I, I spent plenty of time in uh, in real estate agent offices and with brokers. And um, so I, I can at least understand the distribution channel, though I was far enough from the details of the transactions that, you know, I I, I can't. uh can't claim to have any black belts in that but it's funny you
0: say that eric i spent two years um helping the same process you know worked closely with uh, amazon when they launched their home services platform you know it is funny home services and if you boil it down to they would call them trucks and trucks they are very localized and you know if you look at your best plumbers in kansas city they might be different in johnson county than they are in overland park and so it is really one of the last, um, really, really localized pieces of of day to day that you know. You have some companies that have, have dabbled in it, but uh, and then to try to put technology into a lot of those really smart you know, plumbing, HVAC, electrical companies, they're a little bit uh, challenged with that. And so it was
1: fun. It was a fun yeah, couple of years. A, I mean, it's a, yeah. It's a huge. It's a difficult industry. It's a huge industry. There's a lot of value to unlock there. It's a it is a it's a grind. Um the, I, I still think it'll happen, they, but it's we no,
0: we worked with Google
1: briefly and they
0: dabbled in it and then they pulled out of it quickly and they said, Hey, it's this is just too much there's, work for us.
1: There's a there's a lot of uh a lot of carcasses on that path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the the old Warren Buffett quote about the you know, the industry maintaining its reputation for being challenging, <laughs> despite how how good the managers are and well intentioned. Yeah. Okay so tell me about the the final sort of um vision of proppy like in when proppy is full power and potentially the majority of real estate transactions in the country if not the world are sort of enabled by this um automatic platform with what i expect is nearly perfect sort of data capture and transparency what does that market look like do we do we have real estate agents anymore is property like perfectly liquid do we even own it individually anymore or do we just kind of have this weird portfolio like are the rights of occupancy totally separated from the rights of ownership like how how do you guys all see this unfolding over the very long arc
0: so so maybe before natalia gives her kind of vision maybe I'll kind of level set on what we're doing today and then I'd love to have natalia kind of level set to the next iteration of that. So the interesting thing about property now is we we can talk to, let's say you have six meetings a day with six different brokers across the country. You might talk about NFT in a home, which we did successfully for the first time yesterday. We might talk about training in crypto and blockchain, either from very basics to high level tokenization of homes, et cetera. Uh, we also talk about the platform to make, bring transparency to, to the homeowners. We also talk about our, our, our learn and earn platform where agents can, um, build equity to help drive back their business through the property token. So we have, uh, and, and there are more things and there are seven or eight topics that we talk about at any one time. We were launching a metaverse course for the first time for real estate agents across the country. The first, you know, I always say that we're kind of the, the, the industry leader. And it's mostly an the team that are t- that are t- playing the flag on the ground. saying, "Hey, real estate agents, if you want to come learn about what Web three is going to bring to real estate, and even today's technology, you know, come to us." And the Metaverse class is unbelievable. We have more more seats in in the class than we can. Uh, we have more um, people wanting to be in the class than we actually have space for. So. There, there are a lot going I on. saw
1: Natalia tweeting about that. Who wants to be the first real estate I agent mean, in the you, metaverse? It, Bring it, it on, if she does that, because
0: then a thousand <laughs> people reach out to me and say, I'll take it. And I say, well, she wasn't talking to you per se. <laughs> um, but the metaverse class is a really good example of Natalia's already thinking about that and how to position realtors to be in the right position. And then it's upon the team and I to kind of you know roll that out to the masses. But um, that's what it is today, and I, and it's all you can speak much better about where it's going to be, you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now.
2: Yeah, well, definitely there is a lot of opportunity for real estate market participants in the Web3 uh, world for the new real estate industry. But when it comes to the consumer, I think, yeah, we would expect uh, more liquidity. And instead of 6 million homes, maybe 12 or 18 million homes to be sold. And primarily uh, the trading would happen between uh, people, not uh, the institutional players. And hopefully we will make the next generation very comfortable in acquiring homes when they move to another state, when they relocate that the purchase process itself will be more affordable. They will not lose 10% of home value every time they acquire a new home. And hopefully we'll just have more control over the housing in the hands of people, whether it's fractional ownership or full ownership, but in hands of people rather than institutional players
1: interesting and and what about the um the international sort of nature of real estate that's something you know I, every time i'm on vacation in another country i'm always like looking up real estate and then i've never it just i just I assume can, it's, it's too, complicated too complicated to even bother with <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um but will like will it become easier to own international internationally owned property yeah. um
2: yeah for sure okay. we have a global vision uh, First, of course, we're focused on the U.S. market, and hopefully if we uh, figure out quickly uh, this automation of transaction, then maybe uh, we will become a transactional marketplace where you can not only search properties, but quickly acquire it uh, via property and then we would go globally but I, I had a similar hobby like you when I, whenever I traveled abroad I would always go to uh, listings and talk to agents and talk to buyers and sellers to understand the market to, to understand the listing in the um, the the real estate industry uh, and when we launched prop in fact we dedicated one year to uh, international transactions so that we do, Proof of concept transactions in a number of countries and make sure that when we build infrastructure, we uh, adapt our architecture to be potentially globally applicable. So, definitely, we can go global. Uh, We made this business model and the architecture of technology uh, very adaptable to different jurisdictions. And even the NFT, uh, also it's applicable to different uh, homes. Like we had the first one happening in Kiev, but it was still a US-based uh, structure. Uh, so we can do that with other countries too.
1: Very interesting. Okay, yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about the the maybe the specifics of where um, where Propy's product today, what it feels like to use it. Um, so I think this is another really interesting like do you do I as a if I'm a homeowner necessarily and my agent recommends property and I use property like do I have a a, a web three wallet or crypto wallet that I need to use um or is it really just a the fact that the transaction the record of the transaction is written on the blockchain but I as a user don't really interact with the blockchain specifically
0: yes. Yeah, uh, that's a great a question. Answer. So th- there are a lot, there are a lot <laughs> of facets to the platform. Whether it's your agent just being transparent on offers coming in on your house, or vice versa, your agent being 100 percent transparent when you put an offer in on the listing. Whether you participate in one of our NFT auctions that are coming up, where you lock in with your MetaMask wallet, or whether you, um, there's a, there's a lot of different ways that the consumer will interact directly with us. By and large, it's mostly through realtors and brokers right now. Um, But the transparency and the ease to the homeowner is where we're always kind of going. If you think about like Wayne Gratzky, he said the key to my success was not to go where the puck is, but where the puck is going. And I think transparency and ease of use from the homeowner's perspective, whether it's, you know, being able to leverage crypto funds in a traditional sense, whether it's to buy with crypto, whether it's to bifurcate the deal, use part crypto, part fiat. Whether it's leverage and stable coins, without having to give up current, you know, holdings um, to you know avoid taxes, etc., not avoid but avoid capital gains. So there are a lot of smart ways that crypto holdings and people with with crypto knowledge can use the platform to buy or sell in, in a traditional or non-traditional way.
2: Yeah, we just add that uh, when the consumer comes on board, if it's not an NFT transaction, then they don't have to have a wallet but we still record the whole transaction on their behalf on blockchain. But very soon, I think the consumer will be ready to have a wallet. So even for traditional transactions, we will encourage them to connect their wallet so that all the data is linked to their wallet. And then for the NFT transaction, yes, of course, they have to connect their wallet. And we saw yesterday that we had some uh, potential buyers that are not uh, coming from the crypto world Uh, And they were able
1: to connect their wallet. Let's talk about the NFT transaction. It sounds like that's sort of a separate type of transaction. I know you guys just was it the first NFT home in the US uh, transacted yesterday? That's uh, amazing. So tell like I I guess tell me that whole tell me that whole story. How it relates to Propy's product? Like, um, it's a very different kind of transaction. It sounds like if I'm if I'm hearing Natalia correctly from. Maybe the default on the platform, um, but yeah, talk, talk me through the NFT home transaction.
0: So, so it you know, I think you and I are talking Eric a little bit off air. People oftentimes think of NFTs as just digital assets, which is which is interesting. Um, NFTs are funny in the sense that everyone seems to have a different opinion on them, and no one can quite agree on what what they are. And there's a lot of you know right-click save out there that, that don't quite get it and i don't think want to get it um but nfts you know to me really just represent the next level of smart contract you know open transparent distributed ledgers the ability for me to transfer ownership to you in a really clean simple easy way people seem to get hung up on you know which chain are they using proof of stake proof or, et cetera, et cetera. but the reality is if you just take a step back and say from macro level we shouldn't over convolute, overcomplicate the ability to transfer ownership of, of anything, whether whether it's real estate, whether it's digital art, whether it's your service records on your new Alfa Romeo, which which they've just launched. The ability to transfer those things digitally, decentralized, make a lot of sense. And so for our for us with the real estate NFT, what we were excited about is to show the country that hey it's it's pretty easy. Um it's it's very um popular. We had tremendous amount of uh, people interested in the NFT in one specific house. And if, if you think about the term NFT, non-fungible, you know, from for me, a kid from Indiana means, you know, something that's unique. And there's really nothing more unique than real estate. And so um we we thought it was a really good fit. Natalia's been carrying this idea for a long time. It's her passion. That, you know, that there will be a lot of people that will do it after after us and it will become the norm. But you know, to be the first to do it and take that vision and fight through a lot of regulation and thought process to get there. Um, you know, real estate is overly in in antiquous. It's very convoluted and, and localized and can be very bureaucratic, almost in self-preservation. Uh, and so to kind of the team worked through all that to get it done. And you're going to see a tremendous amount of NFTs on the platform for real estate this year. Um, so we're excited about
1: it. I want to hear more about sort of the future plans for that. But can, can you tell me a little bit about, um, it, there's no no detail too great here. So um, like what actually is transacted in the NFT? Like what is the act of creating, turning a property into something that's digitally transactable? Because um, like I, I, take me all the way to the the, the foundation of like, how do how do we do it today is it just it's a you know a file in a title office right um and probably a pdf somewhere um it's some some meets and bounds like what's in the nft and how does that connect to the the old the old world sure
0: um so you know in the in the traditional sense um when you When you purchase a home, it it goes to the county register, it goes through, you know, I make an offer, you accept the offer. We negotiate on inspection, we come to the paperwork, it pushes through underwriting, title, escrow, and then it gets closed. And that process takes anywhere 45 to 60 days. Uh, Very rarely we see a listing open to close or sell to close in a traditional sense, less cash in less than 45 days.
1: And then is, is the deed yeah. like the fancy shiny sheet of paper? Like, is that the the core, like most foundational it, thing that transacts is, when a property um, transacts?
0: It is. I you know, as a kid, I remember cool. like those old westerns. The guy who had the deed to the property. And even as a kid, I'm like, man, if you yeah. lose that thing, he's in trouble. <laughs> um, but real estate's become so decentralized. It's <laughs> become so centralized that I don't know if we even have deeds anymore. It's at the county records. It's 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 well within the internet on the on the uh, interwebs who owns what. So there's very little very little issue with that. And that's probably one of the things that I think as as real estate professionals here in the US we often overthink when we think of blockchain and cryptocurrency and smart contracts, we equate everything to, to how we do business. And how we do business here in the US is primarily pretty safe. You know, you and I are a couple of midwestern guys. We don't have a lot of people come knock on the door and say, Hey, technically, well, this house was bought by my grandparents, you know, fifty years ago we need to move back in. But if you look globally, a lot of that really does happen. I mean, the volatility of markets, the volatility of of governments, the volatility of ownership and who owns what and the ability to enforce that. You know, on a macro global level, that's a real issue. You know, even something as simple as crypto, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, how it solves a lot of those um, global issues with with the stability of. Of currency, it, it you know, for us it's just fun and neat and interesting and a good investment in the future. For a lot of people, it's real. Like that's the only way they can hold their assets and keep it in a real way. So, how it was transacted on this particular property, and and I'll have some title lawyers reach out to me and correct me because they always do. But basically, think of we we create an LLC and we place that property within the LLC. And then the NFT is you're, you're, you're buying the ownership or the rights to be that sole owner of the LLC. And within that LLC is the property. So, which is very common in real estate. A lot of houses are placed within LLCs for a lot of tax reasons that are way above my head, state by state. Um, and so when you're NFTing this particular property, it was the rights to the LLC, the house was in the LLC. The homeowner, if they choose to, can keep it in the LLC. They can keep it within the NFT. They can. Take the LLC down. They can burn the NFT if they choose to. It's all it's all incumbent upon what the homeowner wants to do. So it it allows that purchaser to not be bound to anything they're uncomfortable with, um, and they may do that. They may burn the NFT. They may you know, disband the LLC and just have a traditional home. Or in Florida, they may keep the LLC and use it for some for some tax purposes that they may see fit. They see fit, and then they may down the road want to sell the NFT and the
1: house and the LLC that come with it. Was the NFT transacted then in cryptocurrency? Was it the- Ether. Ether. Ether? Again, okay. Again, people love to debate that.
0: You know, And I don't want to talk for Natalia, um, but on a macro level, I see the NFT in Homes being bigger than having to create an LLC. I think we'll work through that regulation. I think we'll also leverage other types of stable coins or coins that make people a little bit more comfortable in terms of if you don't have a lot of holdings in ETH and you don't want to convert. Um, I, I could see it becoming much more um macro in that perspective, not being so narrow. And you know, right now our, our NFTs, um, NFT homes have to be owned free and clear for regulation purposes. So down the road as we evolve, and I think it'll happen quickly, we'll have a lot more of a pool in terms of how you can transact on the house, the ramifications that go into setting the house up. And then, you know, if you have to have um which, which type of coin and I, I think right now the coins are pretty transferable but uh people get hung up sometimes on underneath go ahead and tell you
2: yeah adam you're right and in fact uh right now today we're discussing with our tech team for the next uh nft that is happening on march 2nd uh, to be able to accept usdc and then for for other uh nfts to expand um, the cryptocurrencies pool
1: this is a very exciting topic, so I think, I mean, you guys kind of took for granted the solution there, but, um, you know, I have heard some very credible people make case that things that aren't digital shouldn't be managed by the blockchain or, or won't be or aren't sort of native to it but I've also uh, the counter argument that you know kind of comes from Bology and that I see you guys kind of living is is that all value is becoming digital or digitizable um, and so rather than transact the home and try to move the you know put the file you create an LLC put the home in it and then that's digitally transferable um like you guys have been thinking about this problem about as long as anybody else so how do you think about this? Um, this sort of dichotomy between like, how do you use a digitally native technology to manage and transact things that are so analog? I mean, there's nothing more analog than a chunk of land, right?
2: I actually have this article on force, which is, I think, two years old now, claiming that uh, real estate behaves as a digital asset. Because in the end of the day, we're talking about rights. And rights, it's a social consensus, which... Is now uh, digital, and it's, that's why rights is perfect, perfect item, perfect asset to be recorded on the blockchain. Um, even now, when you do transactions, use to the traditional, you still use like e-signatures send all papers for your documents, sign your emails, and so on. So, and then recording in the counties are happening in seventy percent of countries also on, on machines. So it's. The concept itself, it's not the physical asset, And because homes are immovable, it's, it's very easy to prove that this particular home is attached to the rights we're talking about. So it doesn't matter whether we're doing it via LLC or we're just we're recording recording the counties. If counties were more open, or if it was one centralized registry that is open to record everything on the blockchain, we absolutely would do this NFTs uh, directly to the deed. But counties don't want to evolve. Uh, they use very outdated software. And because we have developed the software for county, we know firsthand uh, these awful systems, how they look like, how they operate, how they backup work, what kind of IT personnel they, uh, they hire. Um, and then all those natural disasters and uh, cyber attacks happening where counties lose, lose data. So that's why we found a way how we can still do the NFT and ownership transfer without county um, involvement. And in fact, we we just, uh, for each house, we create an entity, whether it's LLC or trust, it doesn't matter. Then we record it with the county one time. And from that time, every time we transact, we don't change the LLC anymore. We only change the interest, the member in the LLC. So it is it is related to the county, but once it's on blockchain, once it's in a specific count, uh, I will see. Then we kind of detach home ownership concept from the government, but we yet declare we report to the counties that the transfer happens. So here are the people that you have to uh, tax in terms of property taxes
1: very interesting okay thank you for the that um is very helpful kind of level of detail i'm curious how so you guys are, i think are again in this unique position of being a company dedicated to solving a problem before you even really knew that the blockchain was the right solution and so i imagine you are quite agnostic to what's particular chain you don't bring any dogma to you know whether it's bitcoin or ether or Avalanche or anything else? How do you look at those decisions, and how do you say like we are a company that's just oriented towards solving this problem? We will use whatever the best technology is that comes around. Um, what's your decision process for like what chain or chains to build on, or um, whether that'll change in the future? Like how how do you? Yeah, think so about
0: that? we 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 are very chain agnostic. Um, we obviously work a lot with Ethereum, um, but that can evolve many times over. Um, the chain discussion does seem to get debated and has a lot of passion on, around it. We we stay above that in terms of we're going to do what's best we think for the platform, for the homeowners, for the environment. Um, but we we st- we try to stay chain agnostic, um, and also to that degree, we also stay you know coin crypto agnostic. You know what we think is going to be the best for driving home ownership in a fair and equitable way. But Natalia and the team spend a lot of time focused on on what that looks like down the road. I, I spend the majority of my time explaining to realtors what blockchain is. So there's a bit of a dichotomy in terms of that. And in the Ethereum network, I think for a lot of reasons, is the easiest to teach people on because it's the one that's most well-known. There's books out about it. It's it's bl- largely stable. Um, and I, I hear a lot of people tell me the knocks on it. But for the most part, we use that today. But I, I could see that evolving absolutely. If it made sense, and so was best for for our, our, um, our customers.
1: Natalia, do you have anything to, to add to that or wanna tell us sort of what you look at when you look to the future of sort of selecting a platform or a chain to, to build on for property?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's very important for us that uh, any chain we're looking at is stable uh, and it's proven by time uh, that they didn't have technical issues and even if they, they had, it's not something critical that can change the chain could be attacked and uh, and be exposed. That's of course number one priority in terms of security. And then the number two uh, is the ecosystem, because we need to have enough developers knowing how to write code. Knowing how to write smart contracts. So, smart contracts is probably the third one because we need to have a chain that has a very easy capability uh, in terms of smart contract writings. Um, so, yeah, the language of writing the ecosystem, how the founding team is reacting to challenges, whether they're open and transparent. You're smiling now. You probably know that some chains recently didn't uh, go through this uh, proof check.
1: Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah. With that lead in, I'm I'm curious um what what are the things in Proppy's sort of product that are that are written on chain now or that are handled by smart contracts? Because I, I think there's there's a lot of really um there's a lot of really smart people that I talk to who who just haven't yet seen up close a like they would say there's no use case, it's all speculation, it's people trading. And I think Proppy is probably one of the companies that was um, that is closest to or using the most sort of smart contract implementations for something that anybody can relate to. Um, so I'd love if you'd, you'd maybe talk us through some of those that are either, um, currently happening or, or on the kind of, uh, roadmap for the future.
2: Well, I, I normally like, I like to talk about categories of blockchain, user in real estate specifically three types of use cases. Uh, The first one is just pure recording on blockchain, recording of deeds, recording of data on blockchain, because then the data becomes immutable. It will help uh, developing countries to avoid corruption, Uh, developed countries like the US will help to avoid all those uh, attacks that I just mentioned. That's the first use case. And as I mentioned, I, we tried build we the software. We may provide it to more counties when they are ready to adopt this technology because at the time they, they were not ready. They didn't have awareness and it didn't make sense for us to spend our resources there. The second one is smart contracts for workflows where smart contract basically executes the uh, um, a number of terms uh within a purchase agreement so very important for those folks who are uh, listening and if they're coming with the rules in the ground but not the blockchain background, the ground smart contract it's not a purchase agreement uh yes we utilize the terms from the purchase agreement and those terms drive the transaction so basically what it means uh you pay for a property the smart contract knows that you've paid whether it's dollar or, or crypto wire or wallet to wallet uh, and then we, the smart contract can initiate the e-recording automatically. That's kind of a simplified version. Then the NFT transaction, I put it in the same bracket of uh, the same use case because basically uh, auction NFT, the smart contract, if you got the money, if you're the winner in the auction, you got the NFT in your wallet. So that's the second one. And the third big uh, one is fractional ownership, which we don't do it properly. There are a number of other companies that are doing tokenization. We may have something where we just may aggregate uh, fractional ownership, all these things from, from other platforms. Uh, and this is security tokens. That's why uh, we don't want to spend a lot of time uh, there just yet. But I would say these are the three main kind of use cases in our space.
1: Okay. Very interesting. And do you guys spend any time looking at sort of the like online to offline tools or hardware like do, do you get excited about the fact that like digital locks could update like based on your nft ownership and like that's functionally transacting the keys to a house or a gate access yeah. or something like that
2: we actually had uh, some videos shared on, on, on twitter where you approach a house you have the wallet and this will have yeah, this nft and then magically the smart uh, smart block opens uh yeah, probably we'll evolve to the future, right? Um, it's not necessarily our goal right now, and maybe it will be achieved through a different partnership. Uh, but it's kind of, uh, it's natural we're moving towards that. And there were a number of uh, people commenting, you know, like, it's not easy, what if it happens this or that? But then the same stuff can happen with, phys- with the physical key. And even like when you move to a new house, you have to deal with changing all the locks and all
1: the keys. So, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, sort of last question in the like sort of bridging of old worlds, but we haven't really touched on it yet. Is is mortgages? Um, and I've seen some sort of interesting proposals. I guess I should say that kind of combine like some of the DeFi money Legos with um, traditional mortgage products. Um, I know you said the NFT transaction um, sort of had to go be transacted in whole um, for for legal reasons, but where do you see mortgages fitting into sort of the, the future of real estate and the, the smart contractification of, of these transactions?
2: There are a number of uh, partners uh, that are reaching out to us to help them build the products in DeFi Mortgage, Decentralized Mortgage. Uh, so I think by the end of the year, we'll have at least two very strong companies. Uh, and we already have in the space, right? About two companies like Neon and a few others. But the nearest use case is when the NFT can be used as a collateral. And uh, the new homeowners of those NFTs can loan, can borrow against uh, their whole. Their as, as you know, now you can um, get a loan against your NFT board apes or crypto banks or so uh, with NFT home, it's even more secure and predictable.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. Actually, to think like it might reverse the order a little bit. But the people who are already doing collateral against NFTs, you know, JPEGs, like it, anybody who squints at that, um, you just tell them that their home is going to be an NFT in in 24 months, and then they'll start to figure out that collateral thing real quick. <laughs> so. One more kind of uh, th- this last like section um, that I'm hoping can kind of like bring everything together for me. I know Proppy did a token sale uh, in when it was the fashionable thing to do in 2017. Um, and actually, I also saw that your token was just uplisted or uh, it doesn't count as uplisted, listed on Coinbase for the first time. And it got me thinking. I feel like I had my head wrapped around Proppy as a company. And then um, and then I learned about the token, and I was like, "Okay, how does the token fit into the overall product um, and sort of ecosystem that that Propy is building?"
2: So is utility token, which was launched in 2017, uh, this year we had the epic uh, news that it was also listed on Coinbase, and it's utility token that unlocks smart contracts uh, for every single transaction. And today, we've uh, processed over 2.5 billion dollars in traditional deals all done via smart contracts and anytime uh, there is a transaction via smart contract profit of this uh, serving kind of a gas fee uh, utility and uh, yeah so there is a pure utility in the settlement protocol but also it's being used uh, in our learn and earn program so that we, uh, we can uh, grow our adoption program via real estate market participants.
1: What was the token sale process like for you? I mean, was that, was it exhilarating? Was it terrifying? Like what, what was it hard work oh, to set that? up? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was very, very hard, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, we were super conservative. Uh, We've hired the best lawyers in the country and uh, made it super, super clean. Uh, whenever I gave tokens to any of the founders or advisors uh, and built a, a pure utility, uh, use case.
1: And was it? Did you think of it um, from a company perspective? Did it like? Did it solve the same problem as a fundraising round? Was it like this? This brings in you know cash that will help us operate for a while, or was it just like, hey, we need to we need a utility token and we should spin this up sort of separately? Yeah,
2: the main the main focus uh, was actually it's kind of a pre sale of the service. We were selling the service. If uh, the market participants uh, buy it, then they can use the tokens for the transactions that will be occurring in our transaction platform. And this actually happened. Almost all of our buyers were uh, retail buyers, uh, many agents, many real estate participants.
1: I understand. Okay, so so people were basically—it's—it's it's almost like putting a down deposit uh, deposit down for like a Tesla, like a Model Three or a Cyber Truck or something. Like they buy the token in order to use the product in the future.
2: Yes, that's correct. They buy the token so that they use the
1: product. So if I'm an investor and I listen to this episode and I think like Proppy is an amazing company, um, h- how do I think about the the equity of Proppy, the company versus like the token? Like what how does value accrue to the token versus how does value accrue to equity? Um so I feel like there's people who are treating token like there's DAOs where you can buy the token and it's basically like buying equity in the outcome of the program. Um, but I'm really interested in how, and we can speak in general terms if that's easier, like companies with tokens to sort of separate those two things and and what the division of, of labor is for lack of a better term.
2: Yeah, we have some services uh, that we're charging from property as a company that cannot be done via tokens. And then we have a transaction platform which is a protocol, settlement protocol, uh, that requires proper tokens, so it's it's as simple as that.
1: Okay, so it is is really like some services are sold in tokens and some services are sold in fiat currency. Do you expect value to accrue to to the like property token? Um, is is there like a supply and demand dynamic there, or are they just kind of issued as necessary for new transactions?
2: Ah, uh, they're not issued. Uh, all the tokens uh, were uh, launched in 2017, so there are no new tokens and there's
1: no burning mechanism. So it's a, a stable and uh, limited supply of those. Okay. So so in theory, as property gets used more or those tokens are in more demand, you know that, that price may go up, but it's not like those token holders should expect to receive dividends or profits or ownership in property or anything like that.
2: That's absolutely correct. So the tokens don't give the rights to dividends or to revenue share or voting rights or rights to the equity because then it would be a pure security token.
1: Okay. So it's like like Chuck E. Cheese. So you can buy them and use them in the arcade and somebody might pay you more for them someday in the future if they stop making... (laughs) You're not making new ones, but... um, Okay, this is is helpful. Um, Thank you. It is amazing how many uh, varieties of token types and attributes these things have already. Um, and it's really, um, it's legitimately hard work to figure out who's using tokens to do what in what context. So, um, that was, that is very helpful. Thank you. Natalia, I know that, uh, you, you glazed over this in your intro, um, probably out of some sense of, I don't know, excessive humility. Um, but I know that you also did your masters in, uh, sustainable urban development from Oxford. And I'm curious about how your sort of um your, your vision for like the city of the future and and sort of your dreams for that um how those have unfolded and you know what what you see as the city of the future, and that may or may not have anything to do with property. That's just a exciting question to ask, and I w- would love to see um sort of the future the future metropolis that you dream of.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I definitely dream of more sustainable cities and uh, greener housing uh, approaches. That was my uh, one of the options, whether to build property or to build a sustainable community, a smart city, smart, smart community, uh, which is driven by technology, but mostly by the incentives for the community itself to thrive. And uh, whether it's a city or a community, I definitely see, again, another use case for uh, colored coins or cryptocurrency or community are, uh, they're incentivized to have the coin of the city or the community. And that's that they would contribute to the well, uh, well-being to this community. And of course, there's a lot like uh, uh, IoT involved and decision-making involved voting, uh, So there's, there's a lot of those ideas that could be implemented. And there are a number of smart cities that are experimenting and trying to, to build this example of future. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see more thriving and vibrant communities that, um, have this benefit of technology.
1: I I love that. That this is, um, another hobby that we share is, is daydreaming about the cities of the future and, uh. You know how they might be greener and more sustainable and more beautiful and more natural and um better for all of us who who live in them Um, sure even in
2: property one day uh once we turn into a transaction marketplace we actually want to incentivize greener buildings and um uh, assess buildings and homes with their sustainable and green and give them kind of a priority um, in this listing platform. So yeah, I share this special
1: with you. Right? I love that. you will see, it'll all come together in the long run. That's beautiful. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, thank you both, uh, Natalia and Adam for, for taking the time to, um, teach me and whoever stumbles along this, this journey with us, um, everything that you know, uh, or at least a fraction of what you know about the coming together of web two and web three and real estate and, um, painting the, a very optimistic, sort of beautiful vision for uh, what a, a slow, crufty, outdated marketplace could become with the right technology and the right, right There, team. Appreciate it. Wonderful.
2: Thank you, Eric. Thank you so much. That was wonderful.
1: I appreciate you hanging out with us today. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to please leave a very quick review in your podcast app of choice or text this episode to a friend. Um, those are both incredibly helpful things that I personally appreciate. If you liked this show, uh, you might want to queue up my episode with Sean O'Connor of Blog Native and Shane Mack of XMTP, uh, both similar to this very clear open explanations of how the blockchain works, what the impact will be, and some non-speculative long-term thinking about uh, how the next decade will unfold. Hope you enjoy. I really appreciate you hanging out with us today. This is all about laughing and learning, building leverage, and compounding our faces off.
0: What our brains aren't evolved to comprehend is how much leverage is possible in modern society.
1: There's a revolution going on, man. Uh, go pay attention to it, get a part of it, get exposed to it. You're gonna make money along the way. You're gonna have fun. The call to adventure This is the new form of leverage. Take a few quiet moments for yourself, breathe deep and be well.